Well, hi, listeners, it's Kiki. And this episode of my podcast is called Coast to Coast in a Sob Revisited. I know that title needs a little explaining, which I'm going to do right now. In February of 2002, I actually got paid to publish an article in a nursing magazine. But with being paid comes an editor. Even though the byline is mine and completely mine, when you have an editor and getting paid, there are going to be things that they want to include or phrases that they like, but I didn't. Even down to certain words, I guess I'm that picky, that they wanted to put and I just couldn't stand. But when you're getting paid, you've got to negotiate a little, deliberate a little. It's the main reason why my podcast will never be monetized. I never have to deal with that. So, what I thought I'd do is I'm going to read this article to you as this podcast. However, big changes. And I have been waiting for a good reason for 21 years to X out some of the sentences, even paragraphs, change some of the words, and now I have my good reason. So here we go. You'll hear me break off from the story from time to time to elaborate, or I'm going to leave some things in that I really didn't like, but I'll give you my present day take on that. And I think you'll know the difference between when I'm reading from the article and when I go off on the tangent slash explanation. So here we go. And thanks for tuning in. Now, it starts with the title. They had from sea to shining sea, a coast to coast adventure. I really didn't think from sea to shining sea needed to be included. To me, it sounded campy, kind of silly. Funny is okay, but silly... To me, that's reserved for junior high. But anyway, let's proceed. It's interesting to note, I actually X'd out the first two paragraphs of this article, just X'd them completely. Again, waited 21 years for that. Okay, here we go. Following two years in a manager position, I had the chance to attend a three-day conference in San Francisco. It was then that I realized There was a way to continue being a nurse, which is something that I was very passionate about, and pursue another passion that I had, which was travel. When boarding the plane from that conference to return home, I knew I would be back someday. My first two assignments preferences were New York City and San Francisco. So, How on earth did I end up in the little coastal town of Westerly, Rhode Island? It all comes back to family. My father, great aunt, and grandfather in particular. When discussing plans with my dad, he reminded me that while the assignments in New York City and San Francisco provided a larger salary, most likely, the highest paying job may not always be the most fulfilling. A case in point. He teaches high school science and math while coaching boys basketball in a western suburb of Pittsburgh. As a coach, he has won far too many games to count in 30 plus years. So it was easy to have faith in his philosophy. 
Now, my family had very limited funds when I was young. We actually went on only three vacations between 1965 and 1983. On one trip, I was about 11. We visited Westerly, Rhode Island and nearby Mystic, Connecticut. Now, my grandmother's twin sister, my Aunt Mary, had lived in Massachusetts for over 40 years. When I told her about the assignment in Westerly, her 85-year-old eyes lit up. She described it in the surrounding area with what I was to discover amazing accuracy. So, my Aunt Mary actually lived to be 97, and she was just a great lady. Okay, onward. She was full of great stories, including many about my grandfather, John, who had passed away a year before, February 2000. In his 89 years, he had spent a lot of time in that town with my grandmother and great aunt. I also remember he was so proud that I was a nurse. In fact, my grandfather always made it a point of telling every healthcare professional he encountered where I was practicing or working. So, my family's connection with that area, how could I say no? I actually wanted to visit Westerly again, kind of in tribute to my grandfather, and because I had spent time there as a child. Okay. (laughs) How did I survive before GPS? I don't know. Because listen to this next part. Driving to Rhode Island, it seemed as if I did not need the map. I wondered whether my grandfather, who had an uncanny gift of being able to navigate roads, was guiding me. Wow. I've actually always believed that as far as travel, be it local, be it distance, that my grandfather was sort of a guardian with like an invisible hand on my shoulder, keeping me safe in all that time. Arriving safely at the Westerly Hospital on April 17th, I noticed something quite unusual in the large glass display case they had in the lobby. Among some very old nursing uniforms was what appeared to be an antique doily with two long ties. It was perched ever so delicately on a stand covered with green velvet. I read that it was Florence Nightingale's cap. It's up in the air whether those were my exact words or not. They could have been, because I was kind of fascinated with it. I could have been that descriptive of it. Onward. Everyone in the unit were so gracious. My colleagues and I enjoyed many laughs together. I feel lucky to have known and to have worked with them They actually wanted me to stay. And a year later, I remember the manager calling me saying, would you consider coming back? That's me interjecting things. But as you read further in the article, that was never gonna happen. However, back to my story. Never will I forget the quaintness of Westerly, Mystic, and the surrounding towns. A picturesque drawbridge built in 1922, reopened just two days after I arrived, adding even more charm. Miles of very large old homes beckoned passerby, 
eh. I doubt I said beckoned passerby. And shouldn't it be passersby? Doesn't matter. But again, another example of you have an editor, you gotta go with it. Tiny restaurants with menus full of fresh seafood and other delectable items were everywhere, it seemed. My favorite was called 84 High Street, and it was named after its exact address in Westerly. Another wonderful memory was, of course, the New England coast. To me, that's the ocean. I just added that in. Although the weather was still very chilly, I braved the cold frequently to walk along the shoreline of Wisquamacut Beach, just a few miles from the hospital that I was working at. The serenity that overcame me was amazing. It was almost as if the tide pulled all the worries I had out to sea. The sound of those loud crashing waves was mixed with some children's laughter in the distance one day. Turning toward the sand dunes, I realized that what I was hearing was actually a memory. The recollection of my family being on that very same beach so many years ago. My brothers and sisters have grown up to become, okay, stop. (laughs) Almost everyone listening knows what they all do. Because from there, it goes on to describe what they all do for a living. Those things have tweaked in 21 years. But anyway, I got my wish when my brother Eddie, the professor, okay, now that's not me. I would never say the professor. It sounds like part of a movie title or some kind of slapstick thing. I don't know. But I digress. Eddie came up on a late night train to the tiny Amtrak station in Westerly to spend a few days with me. We enjoyed a ferry ride to Block Island on the 4th of July, ate dinner on the sands of Wisquamacut Beach. Uh, Yes, but it was a restaurant. We didn't like build a fire in the sand, just to be clear here. And then we even stopped by a casino in Connecticut. Although he and I each lost 20 bucks on the slot machines, we had a terrific time. That sounds stupid. (laughs) We did enjoy it because we weren't casino people. And walking through a big bona fide casino, it was sort of fascinating to watch these people just throw everything they have to the bottom of their pockets away on chance. Folks, the house always wins. Now you can see how they would not add that into the article, right? Anyway, only days after I waved goodbye to my brother, the contract in Westerly came to a close. It was time to pack my sob. And there it is, folks. The thing that made the editor approval. My sob. Love those cars. If they hadn't discontinued them, I'd be driving one now. I packed the sob to its capacity and gradually headed to the Pacific Coast for my second assignment. I had accepted at Alta Bates in Berkeley, California. Wow. I stopped off to see Eddie at work. At the time, he was um, teaching chemistry at Bryn Mawr on the main line outside of Philadelphia. And here comes the stupidity. It's written 
and was surprised to find that my father was at the university attending basketball camp with his students. Okay, that's just ridiculous. First of all, it makes it sound like he was at a camp to learn something and it would be players, not students. Again, issues with the editor. And why wouldn't they let me name the university? It was Villanova. And here's the little side story. Oh, half dozen years or so before that, my dad's team was in a scrimmage at the old Pitfield house. The other team, not positive on this, was most likely Johnny Miller's Blackhawk team. And the WPIL was not fond of these things off season. So my dad couldn't be down on the court. So he's a few rows up in the seats. A young man sits next to him and after a few minutes says, you know, I sent here to scout a few players on such and such team, but who, who's the other team belong to? Man, they're good. And my dad replies, oh, that's my team. You're kidding. They went on to speak and ended with exchanging numbers and saying, hey, both ways, if you ever need a hand, give me a call. Folks, it was Jay Wright, the Hall of Famer, won two national championships in three years, enough said. Back to my article. I had 2,500 plus miles of Interstate 80 to cross before reaching my next job assignment. Now, never having journeyed across the country before, I was impressed at how far I traveled without seeing towns or cities. It is hard to imagine what the settlers went through to get to the West Coast. I don't think I was that worried about the settlers, but this next part, I definitely was. And it says, this was an extremely tiring trip, even in an air-conditioned and comfortable sod. Images I will remember, however, include my first glimpse of the outskirts of Chicago. Eh, big deal. Seriously, I really wanted to see the outskirts of Chicago when my goal was New York City. But anyway. <laughs> there were missile silos. I wonder where that was. And the gigantic mountains of salt in Utah. Now, I don't remember mountains, but I do remember the impact of seeing Salt Lake City, and except for the road you're driving on, everything surrounding was, the ground was white. I mean, white, white. Like snow, but it couldn't be snow. It was the salt, and that was fascinating to see. I also drove across the Continental Divide, and I spent the last night in Reno, Nevada, something I'll never forget. The first thing that amazed me when I got to my apartment near Berkeley was the weather. Despite being the end of July, the midday sun was not so hot. With 100 degree temperatures virtually everywhere else in the country, I began to realize that my temporary home in the Bay Area was just different somehow. It turned out to be very different. At Alta Bates, I really enjoyed the personality of the staff because it was so different from the East. There was this one nurse, Phyllis, brought in the most delectable lunches and frequently shared. She became my official guide to dining in the Bay Area. With a lot of travelers in my department, I had the added 
pleasure of sharing stories about places we have been and where we plan to go in the future. Okay, I doubt it was pleasure. It was probably more like complaining. But nevertheless, I was kind of glad that there were other travelers there. There was a couple from Bosnia that the day after I had them in the ER came and gave me a huge bouquet of flowers to show their gratitude for my care. This sentiment really meant a lot to me, especially since I shared the same heritage. And again, my grandparents were Ukrainian and Slovak. Last I heard, that's not Bosnia, but you get the point. Now the apartment complex, okay, again, I have to interject. It was gated. It was in a not so safe area of uh, Oakland, I remember the BART train stop was Del Norte. Don't hang around at night. So it was gated. But the apartments were beautiful. And this was a true story. I came to an opening on a walking path they had around the apartment complex. And if you look one way, you could see the Bay Bridge. If you look the other way, you could see the Golden Gate. Wow. That's actually starting to sound like one of my sleep apps stories on my iPhone. Anyway, on my days off, I would see plays presented by very small ensembles in tiny theaters in Berkeley. The truth? One of them was more like the basement of a bar, but it was still fun. I took the BART train, wasn't going to drive, not on those freeways. Took the BART train to the city, Chinatown, and of course, Haight-Ashbury. Meandering through the hate, I truly felt the presence of all those who walked down those streets at times of great societal change. And that was me writing that. Okay, now the editor ran from here on a whole big deal about titled The Effects of 9-11. Y'all, I'm not going to rehash that. There's no reason for that at this point in time. Although I will say a lot of people assumed I was already in New York City when that happened. No, not yet. I wasn't. Um, I was still in California. I used to actually feel guilt over like not being there yet. It's kind of strange. Although I'll say this, um, I got over the guilt. (laughs) It stopped after I worked the pandemic smack in the middle of New York City. Anyway, so we're going to skip the 9-11 thing. Suffice to say that it was a long ride. Oh, interesting to note, we all know that was a Tuesday. It was a, that Saturday morning following the Tuesday that my sob was repacked and I started off back to the east. That was a pretty fast decision and turnaround because actually I was going to extend the assignment at Alta Bates and and stay on the California coast for another 13 weeks. And that just completely changed. So we're leaving that part out. All right. So heading forward, man, this is a longer podcast than I usually post, but that's okay. What makes me wonder the most though is who on earth read this whole long article? Because I'm boring myself with it. (laughs) 
because I read it too many times. So skipping that, I wind up in Philadelphia working at HUP, Hospital University of Pennsylvania, Penn, whatever you want to call it. It was a great crowd there. I was working nights. That was when I used to sleep during the day successfully. And I met some real bona fide characters there. And they were a lot of fun. Um, you could get to the McDonald's, which was actually at Chop Children's of, of Philly, through a underground uh, hallway. And it was over 24 hours. I don't know how many nights we lived on the milkshakes and chicken nuggets. Real healthy. Glad we're in the medical profession. But it was closed to the outside for good reason. Ambulances, those sirens never stopped all night long. And this was 2002. Back to a little bit of my article. It wrote in regards to that. Presently, I'm residing in Bryn Mawr on the main line outside of Philadelphia. My original contract at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital expired on December 29th, but after being back east for only two weeks, I went ahead and extended it through March 30th. I don't know why the dates were so important. I think that's the reason I read that little paragraph. Why were the exact dates so important? I mean, you could use just the month and the year, but editor. And then there's this. I wrote, the tragic occurrences of 9-11 have not changed my feelings about traveling. That holds true to this day. Initially, as the news unfolded that day, I couldn't imagine flying or being away from my hometown. But over the past few weeks, remember this is 2002, I've been on six flights. Wonder where in the hell I was going that I had that many flights in that short a time. I think I went to London once, but whatever. Allowing ample time at the airport, having luggage searched, or being patted down isn't a sacrifice. We frequently deal with change, and it's part of our jobs to remain open to varying routines, whether it's in a hospital or an airport terminal. The ability to be flexible is key. Well, I like this last part, and it's kind of a closing. When my great-grandparents made the marathon journey to this country with my grandfather, being about two years of age, in the very early 1900s, they had immense hope for America. I've got to interject, why does this start to sound like that Neil Diamond song is playing in my head? Anyway, I sometimes feel as if I'm exploring this land for them, the great-grandparents. Perhaps my grandfather, John, passed the torch of adventure on to me. When he was a young man, he enjoyed traveling, apparently, and would often board trains, because he lived in the bottoms of McKee's Rocks, destined for big cities, just for the hell of it. The way my dad told it to me, it was more like him and a couple guys used to jump the freight trains to New York for reasons that I still don't know. But it doesn't matter. It's pretty gutsy if you ask me. As I experience more of my exciting lifestyle, I believe he is sharing in my journeys and watching over me. Again, like a guardian. Now, my sister lived in New York City when I was 
13 years old and I vowed that I would live there someday. All of my friends laughed at me, my eighth or ninth grade friends. And it took me a couple decades to get there, but as we all know now, I certainly did. And Manhattan was not exactly the safest, fascinating place back when I was a eighth grader. It was pretty gritty then, but I was still fascinated and knew there was a pool there. My article closes with, I already have a partial itinerary of things to see and do in the Big Apple. Stop. Okay, for the record, never in my life have I referred to New York City as the Big Apple. Gotham. It's <laughs> more likely nickname from time to time. Phantom of the Opera is one of my favorite shows, and I couldn't wait to hit Broadway and everything it had to offer in the performing arts. Anyway, I stayed for 20 years. That's me interjecting. And I put a little word of wisdom paragraph at the end, and it goes like this. Despite the actions of those who resent even our simplest freedoms, I will not be scared to explore new places, face challenges, and be an American in the truest sense. Wow. Who would have known that 21 years later from publishing this article, for different reasons, different persons, it would still be true. It would still be how I felt. If you've hung in for this long podcast, much longer than my prior, I thank you so much. That was something that came out of my brain in 2002. And as you can probably guess, it still rings true today. This is Kiki. This will always be the Brooklyn Fleet came to Pittsburgh. Thank you, listeners. Thank you so much.